Hey, this is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, of course, is Hans. Hans, you brought out some lens flare tonight, I noticed. Is that on, on purpose? Is that intentional? I bought I, I bu- I a little light that I'm trying to figure out how to use. Um, so, no, it's not intentional. It's just, you know. Okay. All right. It's, it's intentional. It's cinematic. It's uh, yeah. It's my my choice. It's a uh, tour this. de force. Why don't you look like a webcam? Uh, yeah. Hey, we yeah, have exactly. for the yep. first time on the show tonight. We have Monkey Joe, the Monkey Jones, and Kino. You brought your your special guest to our partner of the evening, Kino. <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome back to Is It Kino, your favorite movie review podcast. <laughs> I am Monkey Jones, joined as always by Kino Corner doing his Joker makeup. Very exciting. If you're doing an audio-only listen, be sure to tune into the video of this episode. Yes, which is a good point to plug patreon.com slash Laura's, which we frequently forget. We'll get Surfshark somewhere in there, too. I've been, I've been fucking up those left and right. But we're talking about some real, true Kino today uh, in, in the uh, filmography of one master director, Michael Bay. Now... I just want to go around between you two here and try and gauge what your general vibe is and has been on Michael Bay, because I am somebody who has come around to Michael Bay in the last five years or so. I don't know if I really got his movies when I was younger. You know, maybe I was a little too self-serious back then. But uh, as of late, I've become quite the Michael Bay fan, just a fan of maximalism in general in movies. So, uh, Monkey, we can start with you. Like, what is your history with Michael Bay and his work? Well, I kind of, I feel like I'm watching a Michael Bay movie right now with this Dutch angle on you, like this low, <laughs> sort of tilted angle of you drinking a soda. This could be a Michael we Bay just, movie. We just need to sound non-human. We just interact with each other in a very unnatural way and say things that people would not say. Well, uh, I was going to say I, I was a bit of a sheltered youth when it came to old movies because my dad. He loved taking us to the movie theater, so I would see everything new as it came out. But uh, some of the Zoomers in this audience might not be familiar, but back in the day, you know, when Hans and I were growing up, it wasn't always easy to find an old movie. You can't just stream anything anytime, you know, when you're living in the middle of nowhere in Iowa and you're nine. So a lot of Michael Bay's like 90s movies and earlier work I have not even seen and I haven't bothered to go back to it. And the Transformers movies just get worse and worse. I did see those. And as much as I love pain and gain, uh, the pain that I felt from the dinosaur Transformers movie, uh, I did not gain anything from that. It was only pain. So uh, I'm about I'm about half and half on him. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't you know, I have not seen any of the uh, Transformers films after that second one. Didn't he? He dipped out on the third, didn't he? And then came back. Or am I? Forget- I don't think so. No, I think he did. No. He did all four of the main ones. Somebody else did the Bumblebee movie. Yeah. Right. OK, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Uh, what is his first film, Hans? I, he didn't start with Armageddon, right? Uh, is it Bad Boys? The, not The Rock, is it? The Rock came between Bad videos, Boys and Armageddon, videos, I feel yeah. like. Bad Boys is in 95, uh, The Rock is 96, and Armageddon 98. So the Bad Boys seems to be... What a debut. Your first film is with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence when he was a celebrity. Yeah, I wonder how he got that gig. <laughs> how did he just jump straight to A-listers like that? Uh, he well, was he probably was... shooting music videos prior to... 
prior to that. Um, yeah, Meatloaf videos. <laughs> oh, really? So Winger, Meatloaf? And Tina Turner, and Young MC, yeah. Donny Osmond. He did a Donny Osmond music video and then did Bad Boys with Will Smith. That's impeccable. Yeah, four years later. Wow. He only works with America's Heroes. Of course. Uh, so he does. We'll, we'll find out from this Pain and Gain movie. Yeah, <laughs> lots uh, of my favorite American heroes, and you know, people who will fight against <laughs> the Vietnamese, no matter what time period. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, did you get around to seeing Ambulance as well? I did. Oh, perfect. Okay, I I just want to make sure because I would love to get into that uh, also. But let's start with uh, let's start with Pain and Gain because this was a movie from what I remembered anyway when I first checked it out in 2013. It seemed like the general reaction to it was, you know what? There was a lot of people around that time that kind of got upset with the notion of, oh, we're celebrating bad people. They had the same comments about Wolf of Wall Street as well, like real life bad people. No, this actually happened. We shouldn't be enjoying this. We, we shouldn't be on their side, even if that's not maybe the movie's intent. They're so uh, amusing and funny, these characters, that uh, it's, it's difficult to resist that. And that was a big talking point. A lot of people poo-pooed this movie because of that. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to refresh my memory by listening to uh, other people's reviews. And I know that, you, that you're a big Jeremy Johns fan. I'm not very familiar with him, but I know that you're a big fan, Loris. Are you actually uh, a big uh, fan of him? Seems like you didn't get... No, no. <laughs> no, okay, I was making sure. I, hope I was not. about to leave the show. Uh, if he wants <laughs> to come on here, I'll watch like maybe one or two. We did have Chris Stuckman at one point. Muggy. I don't I don't know if you're aware of that. He didn't like that. Yeah, he's making I, a movie, right? Yeah, he got over a million dollars in crowdfunding for what is it what is it? One, two, three Stuckman Lane or something? Drive, drive yeah. two. That's gonna be exciting. Drive two. Wait, he's making drive two with himself as Ryan Gosling. <laughs> he didn't want to talk he? about that. You know, I asked him, I was like, So what is the source of that, Chris Stuckman? And he said, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I had I and he did, had no sense of humor about it at all. It was Peculiar. Yeah, just had a, a photo shoot in a parking lot with the jacket and a hammer. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, no, but he, he was upset about that. He didn't understand the fact that you were not supposed to root for them. And he was outraged at the fact that, you know, oh, oh, man. how are you going to uh, root for, for these bad guys? That's not right. And uh, yeah, it just seems like he didn't get the, the tone of the intent of the movie. Was well, this an older to, review? You know, Is this from 2013? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. 2013 when it came out. I'm not familiar with him, though. I don't know if, you know, he's this, this good at, at getting movies, uh, but I feel like he, he was reading maybe too much into a Michael Bay movie, and that's a huge mistake. Well, what I are don't you talking I... about? Michael Bay? That's the thinking man Zack Snyder, some would say, is Michael Bay. <laughs> I don't want to poison any uh, water wells of relationships you guys might have with Chris Stuckman, but... <laughs> The only real thing I know about him, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, is he had an infamous moment showing off a photo from his childhood where I guess he lived in an all-black neighborhood and he's the only white kid. And he said something cringy while showing the image. I don't know. I just remember it was funny. Hans, is that can about we pull right? that up? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's correct. Uh, I, you know, I do recall this image. I've seen it a number of times. Uh, it reminds me of some of the films you might see uh, from that. What is that distributor? That that one production company, uh, Black.com. What is it? <laughs> oh no! Hans, have, can we just take a look at this real quick? Yeah, I'm pulling you got it, it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. 
diversity is good. Jesus, let's let's take a look at this. It, this photo is about as diverse as Black Panther. <laughs> wow, there he is. <laughs> you know, it look it kind of looks like now nah, this might not be the case. It might just be an older photo. It kind of looks like he has some soot on his face in this picture. You guys see that? Like he's been a, <laughs> wrestling around in the dirt a little bit. I don't know. It could be Ash Wednesday. That's right. I see um, a lot of ashiness in the photo. So that's that's a man, million dollar man, Chris Stuckman. I can't wait to see his film. How much money did your film raise? Like two million? Uh we we got Hans. How much did we get? Like six thousand or something, <laughs> something like that. Right? It, here's it was enough for us to all sleep in the same one bedroom apartment and share beds. That's how much we raised. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, share beds. Yeah, uh, I, stay warm. The, stay warm, not because the the room had heating, but because we were. <laughs> it was a romantic getaway with four to five men at any given point in time. The first time we started shooting on it, Hans and I had to share a couch, so we were literally like foot to foot on on this. <laughs> we booked a studio apartment, had no idea. It was a disaster. It was a mess, but uh, everything we got was good. Anyway, pain and gain. Uh, I think this movie is hilarious. Who's your favorite? Hans, let me ask you something. Who's your favorite of the three stars in this movie? Is it The Rock? Is it Mark Wahlberg? Or is it Anthony- Tony Shalhoub? Oh, you're going to skip Anthony Mackie? I, uh, he's uh, whatever. He's fine. But Monk? You got yeah, Monk in this movie? Yeah, you can't You can't ignore Monk. Yeah, how can you? You, you can't skip Monk. Uh, I like The Rock. I like when when uh, when The Rock plays these goofy, fucking dumbass characters. Uh, I really like... Um, his portrayal of a gay bodyguard in that I think it was called Get Cool or something like really terrible sequel that John Travolta was in. Get, oh, get Shorty. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, but he wasn't the sequel, wasn't he? Yeah, he. Uh, no, uh, he was in. I think it was Be Cool. It was the sequel Be to cool, Get Shorty. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just plays this gay bodyguard that wants to be an actor or something. He's just a a gigantic goofball. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy him when he plays those characters more than when he's just um muscle guy that's gonna beat everyone up so i think it's really good in this yeah he's all right what about you monkey you got a you got a preferred celebrity of this roster i think i want to backtrack just a little bit before i answer because when you asked me if i would come on the show you said what movie would you like to watch and this is my first answer pain and gain and that's because i've been a champion for this film ever since it came out yes it was critically panned, has a very negative score on Rotten Tomatoes. But like you've been saying, I think the quality of the film is not why people are disliking it. I think it's because it's a sensitive issue. And maybe we should explain really what the movie even is for anybody who doesn't know, in case they weren't around, what, nine years ago when the movie came out? Yeah. Um, and it really, if you know what I'm kind of like big four online or at least what i was like four years ago it's like true crime investigation like with elliot roger and stuff like that so when you have a a michael bay movie that is based on true crime and people getting killed like basically elliot roger style with the <laughs> the bumbling tomfoolery um and it, it's sort of shown in a disrespectful way in the movie it's very uh, yeah. Yeah. It's there's just something about that that screams Kino to me and it's very entertaining. And the fact that it has a low reputation because people were offended by it almost makes me want to like it more. 
Yet this was something that I think is a, a kind of a new phenomenon is we have to be sensitive and respectful to the real life victims. If you go back to like 1980 or so when they did or I, maybe it was 1981, they did this Eric Roberts starring movie called Star 80, which was about um, this Playboy playmate who's uh, dating Peter Bogdanovich, who uh, is like a notorious pedophile director. He, he was fucking her at 17 and moved on to her 13 year old sister as soon as she was dead. Uh, this uh, this crazed guy from Canada murdered this Playboy playmate and they made that movie like a year after her death. And it's <laughs> it's not like complimentary to her whatsoever, aside from her being a pretty girl. Um, so back, I, I would say in the late 20th century, especially people didn't really give a shit about the real life victims. It's just like, nah, fuck it. Let's just make a good movie. Let's just make an enjoyable film. And maybe the past 10 years or so that's been walked back where there's this oversensitivity to that. And this is in my head anyway, I feel like this is the last gasp of, of that anyway. Um, maybe, there's a touch of that in, in I don't know if you saw Scary at 61st. We did a show on that with, with your buddy there, Kino, in the background. Dasha yeah, that's the, the Epstein movie, right? The Epstein spooky ghost horror movie, yeah. So yeah, I know about that because uh, one of the women who made it, I guess she's on Succession that I'm a fan of. That's right. And mm-hmm. Kino Corner keeps trying to tell me that he knows this girl in real life, and I'm not buying it. I don't know. Is it true? <laughs> I don't think it's true. I think I think I would have like gotten Dasha into that. or something. Yeah, it's Dasha. I don't think he so. He thinks he knows her. He really does. He's trying to convince me, and he thinks he, he like has her phone number. <laughs> well, I, I think he's full of shit. I don't know. Kino's a reliable guy. You know, Kino's a trustworthy <laughs> fellow. I think. Is I'm, he? I I don't know. I'm. <laughs> you've done more shows with him than I have, so. Uh, yeah, you should trust my judgment. <laughs> uh. That movie's pretty fun, and it doesn't really seem to get too caught up. Like, there's a woman who gets possessed by one of these child sex slaves and just starts, like, masturbating and licking a doorknob and stuff. I don't know. It's very, uh, uh, you know, disrespectful to a, to a degree. But, uh, yeah, so what, what's the general gist of this plot? You have the Mark Wahlberg character, Anthony Mackie in The Rock. They're going to they're gonna kidnap a guy, and, uh, you know, they kind of just ignore the fact that Mark Wahlberg's character is Daniel Lugo, uh, who's like a Hispanic man in real life. You look up, look him up. I'm pretty sure he's like a cholo looking guy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it would not be the first time Mark Wahlberg tried to erase a minority. <laughs> Successfully. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I think we, we should approach the film from the academic level and uh, – we have to point out that 60% of the film is voiceover. Uh, we get the, 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 the first person perspective of six of the main characters. And it's just constant narrating and giving their philosophies on the American dream and all that throughout the film, mm-hmm. which I actually find kind of interesting and far more interesting than any Michael Bay movie should be. This movie gives you a lot more to chew on, even if it's a little tiny bit than, say, <laughs> Ambulance, which really gave me nothing. A movie that, uh, as fast as an ambulance went in one ear and out the other, and I think I might have forgotten all about it other than Jake Gyllenhaal. But this movie I keep coming back to because it's the question of where where was the failure in this? It, was the American dream unobtainable? Or are these bodybuilders just literally insane? 
or, or another idea of did they already achieve the American dream? We've reached a point in humanity where Mark Wahlberg, you are literally getting paid to work out at a gym as your job and rich people will pay you to watch them work out. That sounds like the American dream to me, but he's he wants more. He gets convinced by Ken Jeong that the American dream is to always be unsatisfied and to always want more. And that's really where he goes wrong. And he just keeps wanting more and more and he makes all the mistakes. And that's the downfall of the film, so or of the of the characters. So yeah, I I would love to have a deep, critical, artistic analysis of this Michael Bay film. So Hans, please, with your dissertation, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was funny. It's a funny film. Uh, <laughs> <I> think, uh... <laughs> well, what I'm what it I'm noticing between Pain and Gain and Ambulance is that. The moral messaging, I think, or or just like general messaging, maybe that Michael Bay tries to transmit through his films is very confused and doesn't really seem to know what it wants to say necessarily. Um, there's like a cookie cutter. All right. These guys are bad. These guys are good. These guys are a little gray. These guys are further on the gradient in this direction or this direction. But there doesn't really seem to be. And this is definitely the case, I think, probably more so with Ambulance. There doesn't seem to be a clear cut. This is why this has to work and be this way. That doesn't like negate something else that came immediately before it. Um, with painting gain, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know really what's trying to be said here aside from, all right, these guys are just kind of clowns. So we should be laughing at them. I mean, Hans, really? We, I mean, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but hmm. I think if we had access to the script, if you really just brushed through those big paragraphs of voiceover dialogue while they're showing all these uh, montages and all these different things, I think there might be a little more to chew on than you might be giving the movie credit for. I, I think there are some interesting ideas afoot. I wish I had the script in front of me because I, I did not write down any <laughs> of these these thrilling uh, quotations. But should we just do a live reading of painting gate? Hans, you want to pull up Michael? Oh my Bay's God. I would love it right now. <laughs> who, who should I play? Uh, well, you're going to be the Mark Wahlberg character. Hans is ethnically okay. ambiguous, so he'll be the rock. And I guess I'll be <laughs> Anthony Mackie. No, you should be, uh, you should be monk. Oh yeah. I'll be monk. <laughs> uh, speaking of which uh, of this being a true story. So the three bodybuilders, they, they have a client at the gym who is rich and he seems like a snobby douchebag. So they want to, you know, Oh, why does he get the American dream? He's rich. I'm going to, we're going to kidnap him and steal his life from him. Uh, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> as if this poor man who's the victim of the Sun Jim gang, as if his life couldn't get any worse. <laughs> After this movie comes out, he uh, ended up suing the production company over his portrayal in the film. <laughs> so just imagine you get kidnapped, tortured for a month. They're uh, electrocuting <laughs> you, you know, hanging you upside down, all these horrible shit. They make a movie about your torture and then they make you look like the bad guy. And they have like <laughs> The Rock and Mark Wahlberg, you know, fumbling <laughs> around, goofing it up, it up while uh, your life is ruined on screen. Uh, and then it also turns out, and I don't want to go on too long without uh, interruption, but another twist. As soon as he was done testifying against the Sun Jim gang, he himself was arrested for uh, like $14 million in Medicare fraud. Wow. So there are no heroes. What an exciting life, though. 
Yeah, Victor Kershaw. You know who's pretty good in this movie is, I mean, he's good in every movie, is Ed Harris. I didn't even know I was expect. You know, I, 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 I had no idea that he was going to be in this movie or any kind of antagonistic character uh, prior to uh, checking this movie out. And he's somebody who doesn't really come up too often nowadays. What was his last big movie, Hans, off the top of your head? Like a history? Was he in A History of Violence or was he in Eastern Promises? Uh, Eastern Promises, I think, right? When was Snowpiercer? Wasn't he in that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no. He was in, um, I believe he was in Snowpiercer as well. That was 2016 or 2017? 2017, I think. Do you have any opinion on on Uh. Bong Joon-ho or Korean cinema? Uh, He did, uh, what, Parasite? Yeah. One of those? Yeah, no, I like that movie. I haven't seen his filmography, so I can't really go in detail. I I think he kind of blows for the most part. He did Okja, the... (laughs) Speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, he did Oakshade. That movie was really rough. That just got the Criterion treatment this this month, which is ridiculous. Um, Bong What's Joon-ho's, wrong with that movie? I haven't seen it. It's it's just a joke. I mean, it's hard to pin. It, I mean, first of all, you're dealing with like giant cartoon animals, but it's trying to be like a serious. And I'm a vegetarian, oh. but it's like a, a essentially a vegetarian propaganda film. Um, just like oh, you know, think about the animals. Just very simple messaging, but it takes itself so seriously. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too big of a fan of Bong Joon-ho, uh, but he did do a great film in 2003 called Memories of Murder, which is also a true crime flick. It's not as funny as Pain and Gain. Ah, no, you know what? It is kind of funny. Um, I would recommend that for certain if you want to get a, a good example of his filmography. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he went uh, that far Ed, back. Ed, Har- Ed, Har- Ed Harris did that Geostorm movie where... Uh... Uh, the United States had like a satellite or something to control the weather, and then everything goes wrong, and there's like big oh ge- yeah um, geostorm waves and shit. Yeah, speaking yeah. of Kino, yeah. <laughs> who else was in that? Hans was he the star of that movie? No, Gerard Butler, uh, Jim Sturgis, remember him from uh, what was uh, it? Uh, what the is that Beatles, Beatles movie? movie where he sings the whole fucking thing? Uh, Strawberry Fields and all that. Shit. Was that called the uh, Across the Universe or something? That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. You know, what? I yes, saw Geostorm. Yeah, I didn't like even that guy. I didn't even realize I saw Geostorm. It, it, that that was. Uh, I think I went over someone's house and it just so happened to be playing on the television. Wasn't that where they had to go to Greenland? They had to drive to Greenland or something to save themselves. Yep. Yeah, and the good thing about yeah, Ed Harris and so. Geostorm is that he he's cast as like the the Secretary of State, just some innocuous like presidential cabinet job, and he doesn't really have a character. So the whole movie we're wondering, oh, who's the secret bad guy in this movie? Oh, who's the only A list actor in the film who hasn't really done anything? Oh, I guess uh, it was Ed Harris the whole time. Hmm. I guess it had to be. Uh. Do you guys think that when it comes to Pain and Game, do you think that it's a genuinely good film or do you think it's just an amusing film? I love the movie, genuinely. But you can love an amusing film. It's not a good movie. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I I think it's a good movie. I really do. I think it's his best movie for certain, Michael Bay. Um, Yeah, go ahead, Hans. Yeah, I think I, I think it has enough uh, elements for it to be at least, at least to me considered a good movie. The, the script is probably the best script that he's worked with, uh, because even though it, it's it is ridiculous and dialogue is kind of not great, that's 
that's one of his trademarks, right? That at least from everything I've seen from him, the dialogue is always awful, and it's always kind of kind of uh, exists in this world that the movie exists, but it's not the real world, or at least that's how I always uh, see them. Uh, and I feel like this one is the funniest and the, the one that has the most consistent script throughout than uh, uh, really interesting and entertaining. So I, I would say it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, not just, you know. Like mm, you're, you're roboting a little bit, Hans. What? I don't know if that's Am just I, for me. Is my or... sound fucking up? Well, yeah, you oh, froze okay, up yeah. there and okay. made a very ridiculous face for like a good three seconds. But uh, oh, wonderful! <laughs> uh, do you like any of his uh, his his work that he has produced, Mumkey? Because he he owns Platinum Dune, so he did a bunch of remakes of horror films back in the early aughts, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Nightmare on Elm Street one, etc. I have not seen any of those. Well, what I don't, has he produced recently? I feel like I've seen his name on a poster of something I liked. Uh, he did the Purge series. He did he his he puts his name on everything. I heard that he has final cut on tons of movies at like Universal or somewhere that he's not even listed as like a like an open producer of. I know Jason Blum did an interview where he was talking about, oh yeah, so we go and we shoot the movie, and it was just like some random movie, and then we have to show Michael Bay the film, and Michael will say. <laughs> I don't like this. I like this. Cut this out. And then we'll put the movie out based on that. So that's how much authority he has in, in the movie industry for whatever reason. I'm surprised he even takes the time to go direct ambulance. Mm. Like You've got so much other shit going on behind the scenes. I love that he was bashing the CG in Ambulance before it even came out in theaters as well. <laughs> Did he? Like, I didn't see that. He literally said, yeah, there's some shitty CG in this movie. I was not happy with it all. And this was like a there week is. before it came out. You can see the PlayStation 2 ambulances when they crash and shit. It looks, <laughs> it looks, it look, it look pretty bad, yeah. Uh, are we, are we going to talk about that? Like, can, can we just You want to get into it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. A, a, a little bit, because I was uh, very bored by it. And now that, that Monkey said uh, that he even takes the time to direct. I don't know if he took time to direct or if it was just uh, remotely with a fucking <laughs> drone, because it feels like the whole thing was uh, shot with a drone. Uh, he loved, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a, a shot that he repeated like three or four times where the drone goes through a hole in the wall from one room to the other when they're in the parking lot. And it was like, all right, fucking Michael. It's like he discovered what a drone is before he started (laughs) shooting this. And then the whole thing is just. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, look, he's been on a a kick of like direct to streaming films lately. So it seems like he, he isn't like maybe as invested with what he's directing nowadays as he has been in the past. Um, Do you think it might be, a big scam they're letting like their assistant director you know all these fresh uh, names in the industry direct these pretty shitty action movies and then michael bay just pretends he directed it puts his name on it so that i think go see it. that is entirely possible i've heard of uh, a number of situations where that's occurred in the past and that's nothing new um it's very possible that's the case where maybe it's just like a first ad or somebody who's getting a little too much control maybe he's bored Maybe he's bored and he's just not showing up to the set. He's like, I'm yeah, I'm over this. I'm taking today off. And then someone else takes over. Uh, I do have a, a random anecdote about Michael Bay, not related to this, but apparently he likes to take women out to dinner with his assistant. And uh, he'll he'll this is his move. He'll go, I have to go to the bathroom. And then he'll get up and go use the bathroom, leaving the assistant with the woman that he 
he's brought to dinner for whatever reason, not like a date or anything, but like, oh, we're going to talk about giving you this role in this movie. And the assistant will pass a note to the girl that says, Michael really likes you. He wants to sleep with you. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, I heard of a woman who said, no, thank you. who got this and um, never heard anything back ever again. That was the end of their relationship. That was the same girl that Kino Corner knows. Um, yes, that was Dasha Nekrasova from Red Scare and Succession. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Um, <clears throat> Small world. I'm, I'm three degrees of separation from Michael Bay. <laughs> hey, Hans, how are you doing tonight? What's what's going on over there? What do you get, a storm? A geostorm? I got a notification saying that I needed to update my shit, so I just I just did that. Oh. Hopefully, my sound. Do I sound better? Do I sound any? Well, you you've been worse? again. You've been acting up and freezing mid conversation a lot. Uh, is, I've never seen this before. Um, Ambulance is not one I was particularly excited for. It has that, like, the black actor that's used in everything nowadays. Wasn't he Candybius in the Matrix and Candyman and Watchman and oh, right. all these characters? They just recycle the same guy over and over now. It's like, ah, oh, we're, we're done with Denzel. We're done with. Well, Anthony Mackie, I guess, has a reputation for eating up a lot of time on the set by trying to make people laugh. Like Sebastian Stan hates Anthony Mackie after doing that <laughs> Marvel show with him. Said, I don't want to do anything. Anyway. I can see him very very annoying uh on set. This um this ambulance movie, um I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that um on at least modern actors, he's probably one of the best because he's so he has so much range that he can play so many different characters. There's something about his performance here that reminded me of like a Nicolas Cage in Face Off, uh, where he just goes all out and he he's uh, kind of mild at points, but his points of uh, emotion go up or or down are very like uh, extreme. So it it very cartoony. And then they're trying to to convince us that uh, there's this deep friendship and this deep connection between these two characters, but. We don't really see any of it other than flashbacks of two little children playing together and that's it. And then at the at the end of the movie when uh, uh one of the parts that made me laugh really hard was when uh when uh the Jake Gyllenhaal spoilers character dies after the Candyman guy shoots him and then when he dies he's like no, and it's like you just shot him. Why are you so upset about yeah, this yeah. guy dying? It's like so. Th- all right, this is exactly what I'm talking about when it when I say that there's like confused morality here that is not like that negates everything you see around it. So you have this sequence where it's like, yeah, we're brothers. We got to look out for each other. And Jake Gyllenhaal fucking blows up, like kills what two dozen people in this warehouse <laughs> because his brother decided, yeah, we just he robbed said- a bank and and escaped, but now. I'm done. I don't want to do anymore. Let's go turn ourselves in. And then what does he do? He fucking turns around and shoots him in the chest. What an asshole. What a fucking terrible brother. Oh, wow. You guys clearly missed the Shakespearean undertones of the film. Brother. What would it take for a brother to betray his brother? Maybe a not Puerto by Rican blood. nurse. Maybe. <laughs> these are these are brothers that were not born. They were forged in iron over in Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran. Mm. These are men who are closer than even my brother and I. So what would it take for two war brothers to turn on each other? For one to shoot the other? That's the question this movie answers. And again, I think you guys are refusing to dive a little bit deeper into the world of Michael Bay. 
you know that's that's perfectly valid i i suppose uh i'm wrong here hans you're wrong here no the movie was right yeah well I, I let's just... i want to i want to approach the movie from a few different angles because in one way it's a good idea the concept of a, a chase movie you know cops and robbers but with an ambulance and as the movie will explain this premise you know five or six times uh, an ambulance is basically a tank that can go zero to 60 in five seconds. So, you know, a tank with a V8 engine, that's a pretty good escape vehicle. Plus, if we take a movie version of like a, a war veteran, you know, basically a superhero in this movie's yeah. universe, he can drive a car like he memorized the Grand Theft Auto map and he's got, you know, eight stars on him and he's just going crazy. Uh, and then you take that pretty cool premise and you ruin it by making two hours of repeated scenes over and over again same character points repeated over and over again all leading up to the arc of okay he he stops his brother okay well that was a little repetitive and long but I also feel like Jake Gyllenhaal is trying to convince everyone that he loves him because he keeps saying, I love my brother. Don't you know that I love my brother? Hey, I love my brother. And it's like, we, we understand. <laughs> they have no chemistry right. <laughs> either. Either These two actors have nothing as far as energy between the two of them. Um, you know, it just kind of seemed to me like Michael Bay, every half hour of the film, wanted to uh, be directing another film. <laughs> like the, the opening of this movie felt like, all right, you know what movie I wish I directed? is uh michael mann's heat i wish i directed heat so bad let me just make my own version of heat and he does that and he like blends in a little bit of like the opening of armageddon with his bank robbery sequence and then also for like an experienced bank robber yeah. you're gonna go in there without a mask no one's wearing a mask in the back come on he just wears so a I, turtleneck and then it's in I, assumed he owns the bank right yeah so I was also wondering why is Jake Gyllenhaal showing his face, but I, I guess uh, he he was covering his face until he had to answer the door for the investigating officer, right? Uh, so I think he was in too deep. Well, that could be that. Maybe maybe I was just lost in in the movie and I didn't take notice yeah. of, of him having it on at an earlier point. But yeah. he, he does do this for like the first forty five minutes, where it's like, all right, we're we're doing that, and then obviously everything falls apart, and then he decides, all right, now the movie is going to go from heat to speed and we're going to have speed for the next hour and a half and then he does a little bit he does a smidge of to live and die in la when they're going through that famous uh los angeles canal um hmm. and then it just kind of falls apart then it just shits the bed it's a really <laughs> bad ending it's not good at all it's it feels like they didn't know how to end the movie and that's why it gets so uh, uh contradicting do you guys uh, get why they painted the ambulance green? I was very confused by that scene because you have the other ambulance that looks just like it, right? So that distractions, but then you paint the one green. So you know which one it is because it's green, <laughs> not like any other ambulance. So what was the point of that thing? I didn't, I, that completely flew off my, uh, over my head. I didn't understand that thing. I might be misremembering. I think it might have been the radar. They had radar system that could track any ambulance. And I, I think the paint might have thrown it off. But we might want to check Wikipedia. I might be making that up. Yeah, I thought it had something to do with that as well. But um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't really know what the actual point of that was. 
Mm. They had a they had a cool twisted Mexican twisted metal metal car that was cool. Yeah. To kill the most annoying character of the whole movie, which was the guy with the red hat that was just there to give exposition or just to say, oh, well, uh, uh, policy 280 means this and this and this. Like, why are you explaining everything that they're saying? And, and his whole point of the movie was just to explain to the audience, if you're stupid, this is exactly what's happening. And, oh, <laughs> he's doing this because he's this guy and this is his background. It's just a completely pointless character. And I was very happy when he got killed by you know, a and twisted metal car. <laughs> Another thing, speaking of Twisted Metal, Anthony Mackie's going to do the Twisted Metal series. He's come up so oh. much on tonight's show. But uh, it seemed like much of playing, what... Is he playing the black guy, the shirtless black guy with the wheels? No, we Twisted made that metal. joke before on this show. Oh, we no, did? he's not. He's playing, he's playing some other right. character. Yeah. Right, um, well. It seemed like Michael Bay was really hung up on trying to be like, you know, they're brothers and they might not always, you know, get along with each other. Like he's trying to like fix America. He's trying to fix his fractured America. <laughs> like we got to come together. But then again, the brother fucking shoots the other brother at the end of it. So uh, what is he trying to say with this move? Hans, what was Michael Bay trying to say? Uh, that uh, racial segregation is the way to go in the future and everyone should just stay with their own people and not mix because it's going to end up like that. One of you is going to betray each but other. But you're a mix, you're Hans. I know. People like me should be killed. That's, that's what Michael <laughs> Bay is saying. <laughs> uh, could you imagine any scenario where you shoot your brother in the chest? Yes. <laughs> Wait, sorry. That was too I mean, literally <laughs> the scenario in the film, I probably would have done the same. Um, to save a little Puerto Rican uh, girl that's kind of giving yeah, you eyes like, throughout the whole thing. If, if you if you kidnap a sexy little Latina woman and she starts getting uh, uh, what's that called when you you fall in love with your captor? Oh, uh, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, yeah. If this Latina gets Stockholm syndrome and now my brother's trying to take her out in a blaze of glory, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot him. You know, I mean, they're both gonna die probably anyway. So, yeah, if you can save her, why not? Uh, what was your favorite sequence in this movie? I personally enjoyed the uh, the surgery that happened in in the back with the what was it a bursting gallbladder or liver or spleen or something? Um, that that was she fixed with a with a little yeah with a with a hair clip hand. she fixes it with her hair clip yeah that's uh, believable uh, but that that got a good jump out of me I was on the edge of my seat for that <laughs> that makeshift surgery sequence. The scene that had me actually pretty tense in my seat was actually at the beginning when we see an example of the Latina lead. I don't re do you guys know the name of the character of the woman? Um, Lolita? Lolita? That's right. Oh, yeah, it's Lolita. That's right. Lolita's an EMT, so she, yeah. she's a first responder in the ambulance. And the movie starts off with a car crash and there's like an eight-year-old girl who has just this big piece of metal piping yeah. going through her body oh, and yeah. it was pretty detailed and gory and the child actor did i thought a very convincing job and yeah. it if this was an accurate representation of like what it's like when you pull up to a scene like that uh that was a pretty intense sequence for me because it was more real the rest of the movie is just a cartoon but that was mm -hmm. real you're right. Uh, that completely slipped from my memory. I was very impressed with essentially like the first, I wouldn't say the first act or the first third of the movie, but certainly before, before we get into the ambulance, essentially, I think everything's pretty smooth and pretty enjoyable. 
and I'm captivated by what Michael Bay is doing. It's once they're in there that the movie just seems to not fall apart necessarily, but it's, I don't know. He gets lazier. Um, it, it, it's just not really, I don't know. It's not as good. It's just not as good. Well, it is it like the, on... the anti-speed where the, the worst part is the chase? Yeah, I think so it, anyway. Th- that interesting part of the beginning that you're saying, it focuses on, on, on Lolita uh, and uh, <laughs> telling her backstory a little bit and, and know what her job is, which I thought we were going to get more into throughout the movie, but then all of that is dropped completely until the end where, when she goes visit, what, her daughter or her sister? No, 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 it's the girl. That was the girl. Oh, right, 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 the girl. Right, right, right. <laughs> I completely forgot. Uh, but but we know nothing about her after that. So we have that scene. We have the scene where, uh, which... Another scene that made me laugh because it was so dramatic that it felt like a like a Mexican telenovela when when the guy says, uh, "Guess what they say about you is true uh, that uh, nobody wants to be your partner," and then cue the sad music on her face. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, but I wish they they dove a little bit more into that because then the movie moves into well, we're supposed to care about Candyman and, and his family, even though he doesn't. Well, as he showed throughout the movie, uh, and then it's about the relationship, which is never really interesting or really goes anywhere. Uh, and we drop her story completely. She's just like an accessory now, and she's just going to be there to keep the, the cop uh, alive and to uh, make little eyes at, at Candyman, who he kills at the end. But uh, uh, yeah, I kind of wish that we focused more on, on her because, like you said, at the beginning, that was more interesting than what we got later. Hmm. Yeah, I I also enjoyed how uh, his wife was not like suspicious at all when he was driving the ambulance and the fucking siren was going. And he's like, yeah, I got the job, honey. Hey, I got to start right away, honey. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, that, that was excruciating. Like he's beyond the point of no return. He's got every cop in the city chasing him specifically. There's no way he's getting out of this one alive or at least out of custody and mm. he's still lying to his <laughs> wife like, what is your plan here dude? you might as well use this time to say goodbye what are you doing yeah he's like aren't i lucky that i can be on the phone my first day of work isn't this great <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, i when... thought he got off pretty easy at the end as well where everyone just decides to forgive him in particular, even though he was just as guilty. Like he doesn't go crazy. Like Jake Gyllenhaal just suddenly decides to become a sociopath in the last 15 minutes of the movie, uh, goes just full Joker mode and decides he's going to kill the girl, uh, alongside himself by uh, committing suicide by a cop. But, uh, you know, you have that officer in the back who's like, Oh yeah, that guy saved me. And then she's sticking up for him. Just look, maybe, Maybe there's like an element of the Stockholm syndrome uh, in play here, but I feel like in most situations, people would be like, yeah, no, fuck that guy. He's responsible or at least half responsible for the entire situation happening. She tells his partner, oh, he saved his life. And I was like, no, he shot him. The reason why he's there yeah. is because these guys don't want that shot him. So I'm saving his life. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much. Of it that doesn't even bring it, it to even really, if you shoot the guy and then <laughs> save him afterward. So after kidnapping him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, this was, so I look, I enjoyed this movie overall though. I mean, it was a pretty, I would have shaved off a little bit of the time. I don't think this could have, it should have been close to two and a half hours, but I don't think it was an unenjoyable feature. That's most of his movies though, right? It's always like 20 minutes that you could shave off and not lose anything. Oh, I wish pain and gain was 20 minutes longer, longer. <laughs> 
I'll say uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is my man crush. There's not much I would not do for that man. I saw this movie exclusively because he was in it, and I'll see anything he's in. And unfortunately, it was not up to the caliber of his other films. I feel like we gave an A-tier actor a D-list script. Mm-hmm. And Jake was trying his very best, but the fact that the dialogue coming out of his mouth was just not well written, it made the the big performance seem almost bad. Like that performance would have been good if it had like Tarantino dialogue, but this mm. was like Michael Bay's sister's cousin wrote the script and it's not very good. No, 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 no. Hold on. We got to put some respect on this man that wrote this movie because he's been doing really quality work on TV. Um, he, uh, he put out a show called Prodigal Son where a guy whose dad is a serial killer helps the police catch serial killer because he's got witty insight. Uh, and then he also wrote a show called Deception, where a magician uses his skills of deception to assist the FBI. Uh, and, he, oh. and he also, yeah, yeah, so he likes his little, you know, uh, I'm a cop, but I'm also, I got something yeah. special about me. And I'm not very I'm a cop, closing, but I can but... also juggle. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, so that's his, pretty much his career. He did Chuck, too, that that show with uh, Wait, Chuck? Shazam. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, there's no shit talking Chuck on this podcast, is there? Chuck is fine. You, you I've never seen. I've never on. seen Chuck. Listen, I, I I try to avoid hour long procedurals. That's more Hans's territory. He'll he'll tell you everything about like, Hans. You watched Chuck? No, I've only seen a couple <laughs> okay. of episodes. I've never, never actually seen the thing. But, but oh, I was I a big Chuckhead back when it was airing. I've I've not returned to it in my uh, adulthood, but I'm sure it holds up. I mean, it's Chuck. Of course, every every show from 2006 that was on NBC holds up. <laughs> about uh, I, like geek culture. Yeah, yeah. I you know what I remember about Chuck is that everybody back in the early aughts, everybody on the message boards used to fawn over Chuck and uh, a CBS show called Jericho, which had uh, Skeet Ulrich. Those were two shows that people would not shut up. Oh, and Firefly. That was mm-hmm. another one too. Joss Whedon. Yeah. When he was still in the good graces of everyone in nerd culture. Is he back? Is he coming back? No. Him and his he, he said he's guns. coming back to direct a Kevin Spacey movie. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah, so that should be a good return for both of them. If that's not a joke, I'm, I will go pay to see that movie. <laughs> hey, Louis C.K. said he's going to be the assistant director <laughs> on the film. <laughs> he's got something he wants to show you behind the yeah. scenes. <laughs> Polanski's going to produce it from Poland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know what? It actually makes a whole lot of sense in retrospect that you said, uh, what, a Fox procedural writer is the guy who, who came up with this <laughs> script? Because it has that vibe to it it has like a very what is that like what is every nbc show now it's like chicago fire chicago pd chicago emt that's what this movie feels like and it feels like they had a 24 episode season to fill 42 minutes each and like they ran out of ideas so this is like the car chase episode and they stretched it out to be movie length (laughs) and that's the movie yeah Oh, he's also uh, an executive producer on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So that's another banger. That's Nothing a, but Kino. A, that just yeah. got canceled. That got that got taken off there. They got rid of. They cleaned house over the CW. That network's over. They're gonna. I. I don't even think it's gonna be on cable anymore. Because what do they got? That Archie show. They're what making Archie? room for oh. the Snyderverse. 
please listen. I I wish that were the case. All right. Do you know how thrilled I would be if that? that you and me true. are the only people who like Batman v Superman on the whole internet. It's uh, you know, I've seen some people starting to gradually, very slowly come around to be able to say, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. But it, we've also gotten so much generic shit uh, in the past five years, especially that. I think it's just going to continue to age very well. It's a very, uh, I said it back when it came out, this is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of these comic book films. And people, you Hans laughed at me. You laughed and bit. laughed. Yeah. But you know what? Just he like people. Like he's still laughing. Yeah, he's, yeah. you know what? He's so full of shit, too, because he gave no, a no, glowing no. review to that four hour Justice League. He yeah. does this every time. Every time I speak uh, praises of Zack Snyder. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, I think compared to everything that's come out since that movie uh, came out, makes it look much better in comparison, especially with what Marvel is doing now, that, that it's very difficult to care, at least for me, uh, with their TV shows and all that shit. Like, I uh, completely couldn't care. I, um, could you imagine being in the headspace where you think Black Widow's a good movie and Batman v Superman is trash? Yeah. Like, you, could you watch Eternals? them back to back... It, could you fucking imagine hating one and loving the other like that? Yeah. What would? What is your brain chemistry like? What entertains you? That that is somebody's opinion. Are you going to be checking out the uh, the new Doctor Strange? I did see that the other day. Oh well, how how did that go? How does that? Because I've seen, uh, you know what? I've actually seen probably more generally positive from people who don't like Marvel uh, coming out about that. I think of the Phase 4 movies, it's the best one, but uh, I was disappointed. I think there's a lack of creativity. I don't think anybody involved was passionate about the story or really anything at all. I think it was just a big paycheck, but of course it's a Marvel movie, so, I mean, that is to be expected. But for a movie called The Multiverse of Madness, there's not a lot of multiverses, and it's not really that mad. I think it should have been called, honestly... Uh, like Doctor Strange versus uh, Scarlet Witch. That would have been a more honest title because that's what the movie is. It's certainly not a multiverse-like adventure. Is it a horror movie? <laughs> is it? Is it? Because I'm I'm very uh, entertained by the forty-year-olds on the internet that are saying that you know this is a little bit too rough. They're I don't clutching know if, their pearls. I don't know if my fifteen-year-old son is going to be able to watch this and he'll have nightmares for the rest of his life. It is the most fucked up of all the Marvel movies, so I can see where somebody who only sees Marvel movies mm -hmm. might think it's a little extreme. Um, I was very happy with some choices they made in the third act regarding like a horror elements. Um, and I'll spoil it if you want to hear, but uh, there's some fun stuff in the movie. Well, what I've heard and by heard, I mean, I went on like the, the TV board of 4chan and saw like a bootleg <laughs> clip from some Spanish theater is that they bring in prof Hans, you care because no. you're a Sam Raimi guy. Maybe you'll care to that extent. I, I like Sam Raimi, but I don't care about this, uh, I guess phase of marvel so whatever happened i'm gonna watch it just because of tom Raimi, but I, I couldn't care less about well, what happens here's what i heard i heard that, well it, what i saw was that they brought in professor x and mr fant and krasinski's mr fantastic and then they just fucking they kill all of them in like two <laughs> minutes it's very like oh. deadpool 2 or yeah i think it was deadpool 2 where they do that sequence where it's like a team and you know what i've heard they're gonna do so the same exact thing they did in this movie i don't want to spoil it necessarily 
just hearsay. Obviously, the movie's not out. And another kind of movie like this to come where they're going to bring in some characters and then do away with them immediately. Just squander them, Luke Skywalker style in Last Jedi. Oh, everything, everywhere, all at once, too? Yeah, they, yes. They're going to bring in Jackie Chan and kill him immediately. <laughs> no! <laughs> Jackie Chan with giant hot dog fingers? They're going to kill him off in the movie? It's, it's going to be a CG Bruce Lee they bring in and kill him again. And his son is shot. And Brandon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pitt comes in and beats the shit out of him. Um. So did I miss anything in that in that spoilering? Or was there anything else that happened in the third act? Well, so the thing that I liked was uh, that Doctor Strange is in a corpse for the final third of the movie. Like he's like a zombie with half his jaw ripped off and he's really creepy looking. And he's, you know, the, the final act is with him in that body and he's giving like his big hero emotional speech at the end. But he's like a horrible looking creature who's like has a terrible speech impediment because his jaw's missing. So it's just really funny and creepy looking. He's just drooling, trying to speak of this fucking yeah. About <laughs> I don't know what does Marvel even have lined up, ready to go next. I mean, I guess they're doing Fantastic Four. That's going to come out at some point. That's their Black their Panther venue. without Black Panther. How? What is that going to be? Is that just the the, the nerdy sister. girl? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's the move on everything, right? Is you get a, like then... a little schlubby girl and then have her replace the guy everybody likes. Well, she's, I don't know if you've heard her speak, but she's very quick and witty. Why is Black Panther <laughs> an unreplaceable role? Was Chadwick Boseman's, like, two films as this character so revolutionary and so impactful that we can't replace him after he dies? Really? Like, we, in this same universe, like, in these Marvel movies, we've replaced actors, like, five or six times now because yeah. they, like, didn't want... They wanted more money, so we replaced them. But this guy is literally dead. You're going to throw out all the stories, all the scripting and plans, just because you don't want to replace the actor? It's because they were Pick white. any other fucking black guy and throw him in there, and like we'll just play along like he did in Iron Man 2. That's right. Terrence Howard's career got derailed because oh, he asked man, for a little true. bit more money. Yeah. yeah. Literally make Terrence Howard black man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's his. Uh, he wanted more money because his micro penis, right? He's yes. Very insecure. I just yeah. watched Get Rich or Die Trying again. Man, yeah, no, his penis still looks very tiny. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. He could be the light skinned Black Panther. That could really. It's good for representation. Um, I really like. They, they should bring Michael B. Jordan back. I know he evidently died in the Black Panther movie, but I mean, he's pretty good. Just make him Black Panther. Fuck sure. It. Sure, why not? You yeah, had Tobey Maguire in 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 Spider Man come back. You can you can figure something yeah. out. Yeah, he's Black Panther. Oh my, yeah, why don't they just do multiverse Black Panther? I'm sure in some multiverse uh, it was reversed and he was actually the good guy. So just bring Michael B. Jordan into this universe. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Kevin Feige, fucking write me a check. They could also just give him give the corpse a flower, and then he he is revives with a different face, and we well. pretend that nothing happened. <laughs> We're just yeah, like, oh, I guess it. you know he looks. Uh, or, hey, he's, the he's miracles back and... of CGI just throw yeah. you know a faceless actor in the role, and then CGI Chadwick Boseman's face on it, and we can keep the shit, shit going for a hundred more years, whether he's alive or not. Ah, the Paul they, Walker. They've done move. it. They've yeah, done it before. Do they it did again. it with. 
they did it with Scarlett Johansson on that second Avengers movie. You know what pregnant. they should where they should have done it is in Jackass Forever with Ryan Dunn. They should have just cast a man in a suit <laughs> and had that be right. And maybe Bam, too, while they were at it. Yeah. Get him in a car so I, and fit him liquor and, and see what happens. I, uh, I've i been binge watching Viva La Bam this last week. Are you guys familiar with that old reality show about Bam Margera? Oh, yeah. I was on a big time jackass kick of just revisiting everything. And that was the one thing I didn't get to because I was I was nervous because I was like, I don't know if this is going to hold up the same way like Wild Boy because it's so like, all right, we're doing a thing today. And that's, how, you know, there's a little more planning put into it. So I, how, how did this uh, viewing go, Viva La Bam? Oh, I, I mean, I've loved that show since I was a young child. So this is just a nostalgia city for me. But there's a lot of uh, telling moments. I think in like episode two or three, Bam's mom, April, <laughs> is making a comment on how uh, Ryan Dunn has flipped so many cars and he's a dangerous driver. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Oh. And, and Bam's talking about how he doesn't want to be, like, he doesn't want to look like uh, his dad when he gets older. He doesn't want to be a fat alcoholic. <laughs> and if you look at his Instagram, he looks just like him. Yeah. Oh, man. Don Vito so talking about stuff. the eight. Don Vito talking about the age of consent and how he should lower it. <laughs> Dude, no, I mean, Don Vito, it, it's no question that he was a predator. In the show, like, he's grabbing women by the tits who he doesn't even know on camera, and they're playing it as a joke. I thought maybe it was scripted, but evidently that's just who that man was in real life. He would just like molest and fondle people all the time. And then he it's not like some fangirls came up to him at the mall who were like 12 years old and he started touching them. Yeah. So, you know what? Maybe uh, some people, you know, it's okay that they died, I guess. Well, uh, you know what I remember about Viva La Bam is there was like a special or something where they were trying to teach him Spanish. And they were trying to like teach him how to say grope breasts in Spanish, and it was molesta la brestas. <laughs> and so he, oh, no. he just kept saying that over and over and getting frustrated and thinking they were playing. <laughs> so that moment is indeed, uh, you know, there's some good foreshadowing, I suppose you could say. <laughs> but it's a very good show. If anybody out there can find it, I think I had to torrent it, I think. But if you can find it, go check out Viva La Bam. There's probably some DVD box sets on eBay. You know what? I'm, I'm willing to bet those are pretty pricey at this point. I tried finding mm-hmm. um, Jackass, the complete series, because that that's hard to track down, too. I know Paramount Plus added the best of Jackass or something. It was just like select episodes. There's probably like music licensing fees that are the real problem there. Um, but I remember looking up the box set for Jackass, and that was pretty expensive for a DVD TV show box set in 2022. Um Wild Boys was cool. a good one to revisit. Uh, and, uh, did you uh, manage to check out Jackass Forever or have any interest in seeing 4.5 when it drops in like 10 days on, on Paramount Plus? Oh, yeah, I'll watch. Uh, they're doing a 4.5? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I'll check that out. I, uh, I'm i wondering if that will have much more BAM in it because he did shoot a couple of stunts and in, in, um, gimmicks they did for the movie. And they do their best to cut him out of Jackass Forever, but he still pops up in one scene. I don't know if wait, he uh, was in Jackass Forever because I very seen briefly. Twice. Yes, where was he at? Um, they're doing like a scene where I forget. I think they were all dressed up, and the, the actual stunt is is foggy to me at the moment. But um, in the scene, everybody's falling down, and uh, Bam like bends over to see if Jack uh, Stevo needs a hand. 
and he he's in the scene, but they do their best to like not have him as the focus of the shots, but he's there. Uh, I mean, I would be shocked if they put full BAM scenes in 4.5 because I feel like that's a lawsuit you know, begging to happen. Well, that just got settled. The um, They're firing him from that movie. Apparently, he didn't even get fired over like proper drug use. It was over Adderall, um, which who knows you know, what else might have come up in his piss test. But that's, that's really what they, they canned him over was he was taking Adderall at the time because he's got ADD or something. Um, and he said, whoa, what the fuck? Um, I've been clean otherwise. And he got a big settlement, I think, out of it. I could be, oh, wow. I might have that part wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's over and he got some money out of it because they, they had wrongdoing involved in that. So I don't know. I, uh, I, I feel for Bam. I kind of see it as um, not inauthentic jackass and jackass forever. But it just feels, and I understand why they would cut him out. Who the fuck wants to deal with like some 48-year-old man who can't get his shit together? He's <laughs> yeah. just constantly drunk and on drugs. But because he's such like a staple member to the founding of that, it's off-putting to me that they would cut him. Especially since everybody was fucked up all the time on the other three movies and on the show. Yeah, it's not fair. I'm, I'm sure Steve-O did every drug in the book when filming Jackass too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess 2020, you're not allowed to have fun on set anymore, huh? How, how many drugs did you guys do filming your movie? Oh, Hans, you had what, like um, allergy pills or something you were taking every... <laughs> um, I, I don't think anybody except maybe, who was it, Jerry? He smuggled in some California weed. Maybe That was about the extent of it uh, as far as, you know, drug paraphernalia. But... We were wasted, I think, almost every night, right? At least on this yeah. last shoot, on, on this last week we did. We were fucking, we were enjoying some alcohol, some sips. Not a problem. Just, you know, to sleep because we were shooting at night. So we had to no. figure out a way to just knock each other out. Right. Yeah. It's not as bad as like when Hans is on this show, when it's for a subject he doesn't want to talk about, where he'll just have like a, a tall boy of Takate and then disappear mid show. Because I have to go throw up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll just say, oh. well, speaking of your movie, mm-hmm. um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I mean, it's supposed to be coming out this year, right? Yeah, I want to get this out in December. I, I, I would like us to go shoot um, whatever we're going to shoot next in probably July or August. We have a couple of plans lined up, ready to go. And um, everything's being finalized right now as far as post-production, excuse me, on Mass State Lottery. So I can have a discreet release for that in December, ideally, before we start submitting it off to festivals. The the festivals are very uh, fickle about what you want to do with an online release or something. Like they will disqualify you if you're even giving out screeners through a website. So we're going to have to be very sneaky with it. But um, since we had so many backers, we did the fundraiser last year. Um, aside from giving it out to them, I'm going to put out an option for anybody who wants to check it out before we start uh, submitting to festivals in early 2023. If they want to check it out, then there will be an opportunity to do so. And I'm just so ready to get this fucking movie off my plate. Jesus <laughs> Christ. 
Yeah, I hope to see it as soon as I can. Uh, I mean, whenever you can sell it and let me, you know, pay for it, I I want to support it because I I supported Kino Corner's movie and I feel like he burned me. So you know, this is don't give me strike two. I, I need one of these movies to be good. Oh, you weren't a fan of Kino Kino's budget <laughs> when he told me that fucking uh, made made my eyebrows hop off my face because um, he budget? shot that. On, yes, his budget, the budget on his was it, film. Was it too high or too low? Uh, well, he shot on film and I don't, I've never shot on film. Okay. So I don't know how much that costs, but he said, oh yeah, the budget to my movie was $75,000. I said, $75,000, Kino. His attitude was he could have used that exact same money to go to film school or he could make a film. So he chose the latter, which personally I think was a mistake, but but, uh, for that kind of money, I'd rather just get the education than make, you know, one movie. Uh, when, when I was, uh, 23, I got, uh, my first $10,000 credit card limit. Um, and I used that entire thing and then 5,000 on another card to do a movie nobody has ever seen. Um, it has, it is looking for you to pay it back. (laughs) They are. (laughs) Hey, listen, I said, you know, at a certain point I paid back, I think like 2000, but the interest rates decided to just Wow. And I was like, you know what? Fuck them. They can track me down. Send the fucking court order. Sell my debt to some debt collectors. I'm never paying this. You'll 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 have to find me to get a cent out of me. And that's what I did. And I still get letters in the mail like once every five months. Not even to my place, but like where I'm at right now, which is uh, my mom's place. They'll say, hey, listen, you know, we'll cut your debt down to. $1,800 of this $5,000 debt here. If you want to just pay that, and I'm just, no, fuck you. I'm not, I'm never paying that. I'll, you'll never see a dime of that. So that was Is my this film. Life school. Hack? <laughs> like a life hack for all your fans? Just buy shit on a credit card and forget about it? <laughs> well, if you got seven years to wait, if you, if you want to wait seven years, your credit will, will, you know, redo itself. It'll be all right. You might have to rebuild it from. I do have a couple of like credit, like early credit cards, where it's like, yeah, you got to pay a hundred dollar annual fee, but you can rebuild your credit this way, and that's what I did. So, uh, and then you don't pay the fee. Yeah, well, no, I got, I can't fuck it up again. I got to, anyway, I got to, I got to have a good credit score now. I'm in my thirties, monkey. I can't be doing that. That's something to do if you're in your early twenties, mid twenties. Um, otherwise, yeah, but. Kino's budget that that was um, look, I know it can cost quite a lot of money to rent a school and to shoot on film. Apparently it was mostly the the film costs. Um, Yeah. And I can't imagine I would ever want to shoot anything other than, you know, digital. If if we're talking about adding 75 grand to the budget. Yeah, I mean, at what point do you bury the pretentiousness in your soul just to save some money. Like I, I get yeah. that, you know, the, the Quentin Tarantino motto of cinema is an illusion. And when you film it on, on uh, you know, film, you know, that's a bunch of images going so fast. It creates like a magical thing. And then on digital, it doesn't do that. So it's like, eh, I don't know. Save the 75. <laughs> just film it on digital. I don't care about the magical, pristine quality of cinema. The movie probably would have looked about as good. 
you're going to see it on your phone anyway. So what's the big difference? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing you got to keep in mind as well is even if you use Vimeo, right, which is like the it processes it the best. It's still going to compress the hell out of whatever you shot. So even if it look, your QuickTime file might be might be terrific. But as soon as that goes on YouTube, it's going to look like shit. With the trailer to Mass State Lottery, I had to render that out in 8K. And it was something like 40 gigabytes for a minute. Um, and I was just like, all right, I got to let this run all day. It's going to upload all day. Because if it plays in anything other than the 8K option, it looks fucking rough. So yeah. no matter what, like people are going to take the most convenient route to watch your movie. So all those intricacies are probably going to be lost to 65 plus percent of your audience. Not to say like you shouldn't care, you shouldn't give a shit about, you know, whatever it is you want to do, but God, that's a, that's, that's a big decision to make to, to shoot just knowing that at, at a bare minimum, it's going to cost that much money. How much you said your movie was like $6,000 raised. Is that really how much you spend on it though? I would say it probably came out to a total of $12,000 we spent on, on the entirety um, How'd you make it so cheap? Uh, I, I, we, I do everything basically. Uh, <laughs> I'll be like, all right, Hans, you're not acting in this scene. Hold that microphone, right? and that'll be how it goes. All right, uh, what are we gonna use? What do we got for lighting? Oh, we got these little blocks here. This, this is gonna be the lighting for the entire scene. So it's all just like, all right, how can we avoid outsourcing a good chunk of this to anybody? And on the first go around, when we shot for what was it? 10 days. Um, we saved money. Like the thing that eats up the most amount of money is food. You go out and especially if you've got a guy who loves going out to restaurants and showing you the local dives or something in your, in your group, you got to be real strategic about where you're spending your money. Cause that's $60 a night or something like that adds up quick. Show um, you the local dives that he's not very familiar with. So when we get there, they're kind of shitty and you pay a lot of money. Yeah, that was great. See, <laughs> we were in a four-man group to begin with uh, on this last shoot. And uh, one of our guys is like that. And he brought us to a pizza place out in Boston. And um, they sent us like a burnt little thin crust, like fucking DiGiorno. Not even DiGiorno. DiGiorno's got like texture. Yeah, quality, and, yeah. It puffs up. <laughs> this is more like, what is it? Aunt Roseanne's Pizza? What is it? Kids meal best, pizza? What's the penguin? Value. Yeah, best, no. <laughs> just best value pizza. Pastinos? Yeah. It's, it's, so we wound up getting that, and it was like, all right, that's going to be $24 for a medium. Oh, and you get a pay in cash. Yeah. That was a bad night. That, was a, that, that night was, was pretty horrendous. I, so things like that. Well, we also saved a lot on shooting at 3 in the morning or four, 5 in the morning or 4 in the morning. So we were able to get a lot of locations without permissions or anything like that. It would just so instead just of day it. for night, you're doing night for day? Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I was uh, illegally driving in the city of Boston because I, I don't even have a license here in Costa Rica. And I was driving in the city of Boston at 3 in the morning. So that, uh, yeah, I don't know if I should be saying that out loud. Is that... uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What is it? Statue I mean, what of limitations? Yeah, yeah. Prove it in court. What are you gonna take come... a scene from a movie? You're gonna believe a movie? Come <laughs> right. on. Yeah, it's a lot of just breaking the law. It's just a lot of shooting in a place you're not supposed <laughs> to shoot. Uh, but that's the most efficient way to get it done. In my until something bad happens. We did have uh, one thing where I've talked about this too many times on the show now. Uh, but like literally the day after Alec Baldwin killed that woman on the set. 
uh, we had a guy who's like, all right, so all we have to do is we had a really sharp knife. And he was like, all we have to do is just cover the blade in a thin thing of tape. And then you bring it across. The, I was like, ah, no, we're not doing that. Let's just remove the blade entirely. Let's not yeah. at, kill this guy who just showed no, up on his first and, day. And I'm I'm clumsy as fuck. And I'm the one that's supposed to be slashing this guy's throat. And I was like, I don't even want to just take the blade out. Like, well, you'd be in <laughs> no. prison right now. Yeah. You'd be, what, what's, yeah. what was his name? Sirhan Sirhan? You'd be that guy. You're a foreigner in the United States killing a young, white, blonde, blue-eyed American. That's fucked up. That's some dark darkness, Hans. Yeah, that was great. We We had an actor who showed up on very short notice, and it was like, all right, hey, listen. Hans here is going to hug your naked body out in this parking lot at night. Um, Could you just take your shirt off? Could you take your shirt off while I put this camera on and just take some pictures of you? Could you sit there while we try to figure out how to make blood come out of this thing for two hours? (laughs) It was was literally like we lucked out because this was like a 50 degree night and it was like 30 or 20 degrees the rest of the week. So it was like, all right, you got to take your shirt off. We're going to build we're going to put this prosthetic neck around you and then we're going to shoot blood out of it. And then we could not figure out how to shoot blood out of it for like three hours. (laughs) So he was just freezing his ass off the entire time. Um, yeah, that was, that was less, but yeah, a lot of the, a lot of things like that to, to cut corners, I guess. And yeah, uh, that's the movie magic that, that everybody fails to see. Monkey, do you smoke cigarettes? No. Oh, well, you know, who else doesn't smoke cigarettes is is Hans here. We had to take a 40 minute break because he made himself sick from one cigarette. He made me smoke a full cigarette in like 30 seconds and I don't smoke. So I almost passed out and I was just sweating in the car, just trying to recover for, yeah, for like 40 minutes. I was all shaky and couldn't walk. Like if you've ever seen like an actor's performance of someone going through like crack withdrawals (laughs) or heroin withdrawal, it was essentially that from him smoking one cigarette. So, I mean, I'm I'm not a, a smoker. I've actually eaten more cigarettes than I've smoked. Uh, for various reasons uh, what happened when you smoke a full cigarette like does it get you high does it give you a, like a painful toxic buzz what made you so sick it, it's like a head high and then my stomach really hurt so i just kept spitting mm. so, like saliva forming and just spitting a shit did you have an like empty a... stomach at the time yeah i think we we that probably like a couple yeah hours that might have helped but yeah yeah but See, every I, time I, tried, I remember when I turned 18, I was like, well, fuck, I'm 18 now. I'm going to buy cigarettes because that's fucking cool, right? And then I bought a pack of Cools because I didn't want to hurt my throat. And that, this has menthol right. in it, right? Yeah. And I, uh, I um, lit my first cigarette. And within two minutes, I was like, no, because I started, getting <laughs> like a, I started getting dizzy. And I'm there with my friends pretending that I'm cool. And I'm just sweating and just like I can't even talk to anyone. So I was like, yeah, no, not for me. So I've always had that that reaction to cigarettes is then maybe they get better after you get addicted. I, I can certainly confirm that's, that's true. <laughs> Just keep smoking them. You'll like them eventually. I, uh, I didn't never smoked a cigarette before in my life until we started shooting this movie. Cause I was like, you know what look cool is me smoking a cigarette. So I was just like, you know what? Now my character is going to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and then, you know, you get to a point where you're like, you're making yourself sick from so many fucking takes where you're doing smoking cigarettes. <laughs> And you do have like a reaction similar to Hans, not after one, but like maybe after like four takes and it's four cigarettes in a row, you just feel disgusting, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, I'm I I reached a point where I was like, oh man, these are great. This is this is wonderful. And like 
nobody can stand the scent of me. It's just fucking old, <laughs> stale new force. Um, but we had a day, you know, um, where we shot everything at a, re- a restaurant we um, we rented in Salem, Mass. And uh, it was a pricey restaurant. It was very good. We had an actor from New York drive out four hours. And then we drove up to New Hampshire, which is about a two-hour drive, uh. and shot out in the projects with, with um, one of the actors who... Um, had shaved his eyebrows in his head for this performance in my film. And um, he had locks of hair, a beard and everything. It was just, it was uh, ghoulish. It was scary. And then uh, when we went to go shoot that, I noticed that the memory card was bent like uh, like a greater than sign. Uh-oh. And that was, that was, uh, that was probably the worst day of the entire shoot um, and yeah, resulted in about there. 12 cigarettes being smoked in Constitution. <laughs> Yeah, it's the only time that I've seen you break character and like be human. Because uh, <laughs> you were losing your shit. You were like, "What the fuck am I gonna do now?" Like you were completely losing it. But yeah, yeah, that yeah. was uh, probably the, the probably the only stressful day I think of that sec- this second time. I feel like it went a lot smoother and and. Uh, well, that that's also the day where a fight almost broke out in a car yeah. on the highway, and there was an iced coffee <laughs> all over the dashboard. <laughs> that was rough. That was a rough day. Monkey, you should get into filmmaking. You should join us on our next adventure in film. Yeah. Yeah, Kino Corner wanted to make a movie, and I said I didn't want to make it with him, and then he said he was going to make it with you, but I haven't really heard about that. Is he? Did he lie again? I think he lied. He lied to me. Too. Listen, here's – not to, like, throw Kino under the bus on this show. This is not like a Kino expose. Um, Kino – it's, maybe it should. Uh, this will be great in some like YouTubers documentary, exposed documentary. Um, Kino is getting pretty big. His channel's blowing up, so we need to expose him now while we still can before that's he gets right. too big to fail. Yeah, he's getting close to 100k subs now, from what I've seen anyway. That that literally me video or video series rather is really taking off. So mm, I've uh, got one playing in the background right now. <laughs> God, um, you know. <laughs> As far as the the short or whatever uh, with Kino, Kino um, sent me a text one day and was like, I think this was right after we announced that Buddy Duress was in the cast of Mass State Lottery and there was a lot of excitement about that. Uh, he said, hey, I want to go down to Florida and shoot a a short film about this and this. And then we talked on the phone for a little bit. And I was like, all right, well, uh, send me the script. I'm probably down to get involved but it really depends on the timing um just let me know and then the next day he said lorez has signed on to be my producer on this film <laughs> and i i was i was kind of like wait where did he say that at uh I, on twitter it was uh he put oh, out a, yeah, a tweet. I remember that. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. um i was kind of just like like what what come on now uh he was excited come on yeah he was really excited i didn't want to i didn't want to like what the fuck man you know you know i didn't want to take the wind out of his sails on that but uh, i have a little heart right i i i haven't heard anything (laughs) since it doesn't seem like that i was supposed to be back in february and it's may uh yeah yeah, he put that movie on the back burner i think which he just moved and now he's trying to grow his channel so he might have forgot he wanted to make it uh I'm working on something right now for what I would like us to shoot in August out in Wichita that at least last I talked to him anyway, might feature your, your pal, your new partner in crime, Eggie. 
Oh shit! You guys are making a movie? Well, I ha- I haven't talked to Eggy in a couple of months because I I got distracted with some other shit. But uh, I would really like to get Eggy in this film because I think he would be great for for the big screen for for the feature. I mean, I I can almost guarantee he would be down to clown. So I would love to see that down to clown. Was that intentional based on your your background there? Background. Oh, I mean. <laughs> everything's intentional i'm just like a michael bay movie mm-hmm. but if, if you can get eggy in a feature film up on the big screen i will pay imax ticket prices uh, <laughs> to see that movie well we'll we'll see what the future holds so kino and monkey's uh movie adventure is out but would you ever want to do anything of your own i've always made short films and just you know stupid shit for youtube that has no budget and the idea of doing it professionally or really just in a serious context with an actual budget does not really interest me. I feel like I'm not responsible enough uh, for something like that. It would probably just be a big waste of money for everybody involved. So I think I would rather just stick to doing no budget YouTube garbage for fun rather than the stress of making a movie. Cause just like, if I was there at three in the morning and my memory card was, you know, snapped in half and I, just shot for like 10 hours that day. I I would not show up on set the next day. Cause I'd be hanging in my hotel room. So <laughs> I can't handle that kind of stress. It's too much. Uh, believe me, there was a good chance it was going to go that way. If we couldn't recover the footage on that card, but uh, we, we had one uh, break there that, that worked out. We were able to save that. Um, yeah. Well, you don't make garbage though. You make like really well edited and uh, entertaining shit for your channel like i've watched so many videos now of you and eggy eating disgusting things in <laughs> somebody's kitchen or there was one in particular i sent to hans where she's like can you believe eggy's eating uh, eating this thing right now like and it was Play-Doh? not it was the play-doh yeah it was yeah. play-doh it was just like the most horrendous thing i've ever seen the way he described it where it was like like, it's getting salty yeah yeah That's why I'm saying you need to get him in a movie because to go back to Jackass, their policy at Jackass, according to Johnny Knoxville, was that pain is temporary, film is forever. That's right. And that was their motto. And Aggie lives by that each and every day of his life. Even when he's not filming anything, he will still go out of his way to feel immense pain just for the (laughs) enjoyment of other people. So if you can harness that power for your film, just the fact that this man will do literally anything. He will eat an entire thing of Play-Doh for my YouTube channel. He's got no money for it. He didn't even get fucking paid and he'll do it. So you need to take advantage of that for whatever project you're making because you can get some real gold film. <laughs> yeah, he is a trooper. Um, yeah, but all the all the like wheel of the worst videos you've done and and things of that matter are, I, I think, very entertaining, very amusing stuff. People should check out if they haven't. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but anyway, do, do we have anything to add on Michael Bay before we wrap up for the evening since it's almost midnight here on the East Coast? I hope that one day he's able to work with someone that can write dialogue because I think his visuals are <laughs> interesting, uh, and, and that would be great. Uh, I, uh, I, I, just like you, I've changed my opinion on him because I think that it was cool to hate on him, right, for a while. So it was more of like a, yeah, he was well, an he, easy target. Yeah, back in the uh, day but, when Joss Whedon was hailed, Michael Bay was right shit on. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, uh, 
funny how that how that worked out. Uh, but I, I've enjoyed most of the movies that I've seen from him. It's just you just have to know what you're getting into, right? So it's just going to be ridiculous. It's going to be like an alternate universe where these are not actual humans that live in this earth. It's just like a different type of, of person that talks in this different way and uh, does actions that don't make any sense, but they make sense only in this in this setting. Uh, and as long as you're not going in expecting, you know, a, a deeply philosophical movie, I think you'll be entertained <laughs> with most of the things he's he's put out. Uh, haven't seen all the Transformers movie, just like you. I think I saw the first two, and that's it. Uh, but th- there, I mean, th- the thing is that I, I feel like uh, people were expecting maybe too much from those movies, and I don't understand why, because the Transformers cartoon was very simple and very whatever. Uh, so trying to to find meaning in those in those movies is kind of pointless to me. So I. I <laughs> I understand the fact that that uh, you know maybe you wanted the story to be a little bit deeper than just wrapping uh, robots and and shit like that. But that's you know that's what you're gonna get in the Michael Bay. That's what everyone wants is a pretentious movie. Transformers movie, right? An yeah. intellectual Transformers movie. You know, An internal I, conflict. Yeah, you guys, Revan. you guys have not been tortured in the theater by Transformers three and or four. The fourth no. one is almost three hours long. It's basically the Batman, but uh, I think it's the Batman had something going for it. The fourth Transformers movie is so painful that I almost had to beg the other people I went with to let us leave because I didn't want to spend any more of my I, I was struggling to stay awake. It, it's just torturous. The, the dinosaur one. The dinosaurs, no. by the way, show up in the final 20 minutes of the three-hour film, so... So calling it the dinosaur movie is disingenuous right. to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I, b- before you guys even pretend like you can defend Michael Bay's Transformers era, I implore you to watch the fourth okay. fucking movie and <laughs> then right. come back on here and defend it. Because it's, it's one right. of the worst theater experiences of my entire life. Well, do you, do you want to do I, an episode? Yeah, let's do a retrospective <laughs> on Michael Bay's Transformers. I, I've only seen the first two. I remember checking out the first one on uh, some obscure network that has since been taken off the air. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was all right. That wasn't bad. Maybe it was just Shia LaBeouf, and I'm a, I'm a fan of his, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that first one was fine. Um, I can't the imagine I re- ever watch the the third or fourth or even Mark, Mark Wahlberg is in the fourth one. I just remembered. He's the lead. They replaced Shia LaBeouf with him. And uh, Isabel, the girl who played Dora, is in the movie too. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yeah, he produced the Dora the Explorer movie. See, this is another thing that's just forgotten the time. People forget. Oh, yeah. There was a Dora the Explorer live action gritty reboot remake. Uh, with, what? Did you yeah. see it? Hans, pull up the picture real quick. No, I didn't watch it. it no. Oh, was I it, thought, it, it, I thought it was okay. What was the? Gritty. It's yeah, no, it's pretty. If we it's think about Dora the Explorer, what this movie was was a grittier version of that. So let's just take a look here. Like this movie has like Michael Pena as Dora's dad, cracking puns the whole time, and they go on like an Indiana Jones adventure, but it's PG rated. I don't know if it's really gritty. Hmm. Wow. You see, most men would not want to show off that they're Google searching with the Elmo there. <laughs> All right. Um, Should so, we do yeah, Dora was... in an episode? Yeah, I don't Dora in the so. City of Gold. <laughs> Wait, did they put no, Danny yeah. Trejo in the movie? Probably. I think he was the Mexican. voice of Boots, the monkey. Wow. Oh, wow. What man. a... This is just a... 
And a I don't remember that part, though. It's been a long time. Uh, before we wrap up, Mumpke, what did you, what did you make of the Batman? Because I'll tell you what, I watched the Batman in theaters, and up until like the end, I was like, yeah, that was good. And now, whenever I think back to it, I'm just like, I fucking hated the Batman. I really don't <laughs> like the Batman. Yeah, I, I've uh, liked it less and less uh, since it came out, and I'm I'm waiting for Kino Corner to bring him up for the 18th time. But he said he's making a literally me analysis of the movie explaining why he is both the Riddler and the Batman in that movie. So that might the can definitely Yeah, that might be the saving grace for me is uh, <laughs> if his analysis gives me a, a newfound appreciation. But when I really lament over my issues with the movie, like the part where Batman's trying to rush back to Alfred and he's calling him on the phone and then they're showing a scene that actually took place like three hours earlier, but they still have the phone ringing. Mm -hmm. It, it oh, was yeah. just dishonest. It, it's like it's not yeah. tension building it's a fucking lie <laughs> yeah. uh did you did you find anything redeemable about the only thing i really i think haven't changed my opinion on in retrospect is i like the gotham that's introduced which is very but it's also uh, i mean people will uh deride joker for being s somewhat derivative of king of comedy and of taxi driver but i thought this movie was just like sucking taxi driver's dick so <laughs> big and bad in the in the first hour or so especially with the gotham city that they introduced but it's still like visually pleasing of course um but yeah i mean what, I, I would have cut out the catwoman subplot and everything mm. with that character it would have made the movie about 40 minutes shorter and i think it would have been just a, a tighter more enjoyable time if you just cut everything with her out yeah yeah i, I hans that was like a complaint of yours when we yeah. did the show on it, right? Is that you thought it was uh, distracting from the, the central plot. Yeah. I thought it was pointless because at the end it just ended up uh, becoming into, Oh, I, I hate daddy and I'm going to kill daddy and who cares? You know, it was really th that way of ending that conflict with that character felt very forced to me. Like I wish the Batman was the one that took care of it instead of her being badass or whatever. Well, like, the sad thing is, they're trying to praise this new Batman movie as being a brand new thing. It's a standalone Batman adventure, and you don't have to watch the rest of the DCEU. We're not doing that shit anymore. Just go watch this great movie. But then it has the same problem of all these Marvel movies and shows where it's just setting up for the extended universe. They know that the, the Penguin is getting his own fucking HBO Max show. They have to set that up. Catwoman's probably getting her own show or her own movie. Batman's this is the first of a trilogy so they're trying to pretend like it's a standalone you know really oh this is the detective Batman this is a whole new thing no you're setting up two HBO Max shows that are gonna suck and you stuffed so much that's why it's three hours because they stuffed yeah. in setup for three other things that's, uh, I, that's why Avengers Age of Ultron fucking sucks <laughs> come on <laughs> I really enjoy a detective who uh, writes on his floor sins of my father with double question marks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> World's greatest yeah. detective. Just um, for him to read and no one else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Survivor. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this at a later date, but who do you got as the, if you're not spoiled anyway, I don't know if you've dug into any. Spoilers. I'm not spoiled. I'm not okay. spoiled. Uh, who do you, who do you think's taking, taking the season? Uh, I, well, the consensus I'm seeing is that Omar is, uh, running away with it, which it's probably true. 
Uh, I'm still uh, hoping Jonathan beats up all these nerds and wins, but now they think he's a big racist, so I think he might. Oh, yeah. I think Omar would be smart to just go to the end with Jonathan because he's not going to get any votes. I think Jonathan's going to get the Xander tr- uh, treatment. on. Is on that the Rip season. guy? Yeah. Rip. yeah. I mean, Com- that's just a complete advantage over everyone else because he's mm-hmm. huge. <laughs> yeah. That's the one strong guy. Uh, they had another, uh, you know, another racial turmoil episode. Hans, yeah, Hans, Hans watched Jesus a little bit of Survivor Forty One uh, when we did an episode with Jack the Perfume Nationalist, and um, <clears throat> you, you, I think checked out some of the later episodes once um, the season was concluding, right? Uh, well, this last episode we had uh, another incident occur where uh, you know there were two black contestants voted out in a row, and it was a double boot episode. And even though the two black contestants who who were still left in the game voted out one of the two, they had like a meltdown. We're like, oh, no, we're all getting voted out in a row. We can't. This is all planned. You know, we can't let this happen. So they were having like a mental fit about racism. And um, it was really awkward and uncomfortable. They didn't even vote or anything. It was just like, oh, blonde girl, get the fuck out of here. You make this sick. <laughs> Take a walk. Uh. Great. So that's what yeah, you're that's missing, what we, Hans. That, that's what you need, right? More politics and Survivor. That's that's what makes the show great. Yeah. More. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, yeah. I'm can't wait for the for the little twink to win it at the end, just you know, for diversity. That's, <laughs> oh, Romeo. That's everybody this season. You just described a fourth of the cast. <laughs> anyway, that's I'm the I'm skin, the, the the one that has very skinny arms, like freakishly skinny arms. Very probably gay-ish. probably Romeo. Or her name is just... Courtney Yates, and she's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her on a on a mega bus one time when I was heading out of New York. What? She, yes, I. She was just riding the bus. Yes, the the twenty five dollar New York to Boston bus I was taking back after um, seeing my girlfriend at the time, um, and she was sitting up front, and uh, you know you can't miss Courtney Yates because she looks exactly like that, even t- very skinny, uh, very pretty girl. No, she's still 80, 80 pounds soaking wet. Um, but uh, she was she was cute for like a forty year old woman, you know. Um, forty year old so woman on the bus, yeah, she's yeah. probably you know like the prime cut on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was. Have you ever met a survivor before? I think you told me when we were doing that that forty one show that you met the brigade right at a bar or something. I met uh, Matt Hoffman and Enzo, mm-hmm. and uh, Adam from BB thirteen was there too. But, you know, who remembers the bacon? He guy? shows up to everything, it seems like. Yeah. Adam. yeah. He's part of, like, there's always, like, these reality contestants, like Billy from Survivor Cook Islands. I don't know if you remember that guy. Just Is abs- he the one who was in love with, uh, with Shannon or yeah. Candace from Railroad Tribe? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Hans, when they did a race season originally, there was, uh, uh, like, a they Mexican. They did it on purpose back then. Right. They divided them by race. <laughs> when they divided them, right. Yeah. I remember um, you guys talking about that, yeah. He, uh, you know, he said he, he was getting voted out that night. She's a, a blonde haired girl. And she's like, oh, we, we like you. And he misheard that as I love you. And well, uh, you also have to you have to take into account. This is a 280 pound uh, Hispanic man who's probably like 15 years older than the lovely. Young woman <laughs> yeah. Hans. Who's, who's very skin or skinny and in shape. And she's like a doctor. Mm-hmm. You want to pull up Billy Garcia survivor? Sure. And his outfit will tell you everything you need to know about him. Or is he like fluffy? 
Yeah, yeah, a bit. Um, yeah. He's dressed as a pirate, I believe, also. Oh, well, uh, all right. You know. Yeah, hold on. Let me pull it up. Uh, so he he's a, an enthusiastic fan of Survivor. There you go. A, Here's Billy Garcia. He shows up to everything? Guy. I thought he would be, like, ashamed and trying to avoid this fan base. Nope. No, he's, he's like, ah, I'm famous. I love being famous. Oh, no. So that's his opportunity. Uh, maybe second chance. Maybe second chance in the future. We'll see. Um, he, he was <laughs> uh, He was great for the two episodes he was on. I love his shirts. They're very intense for Hans. You, you know, you know the... if you just gained <laughs> eighty pounds, you could you you know maybe a hundred. You could look like Billy Garcia. My goatee would never close, unfortunately. So right, it'd be a little too Fu Manchu, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to hide my double chin as well as he does, I guess, with his goatee, right? Yeah. All right, I think we're good on Billy Garcia. We don't. Need... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Damn, that is a few necks. Huh. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, uh, don't don't watch Survivor. It's been it's been pretty. Eh, I don't know. I miss. I, I think miss this season show. is it's a lot better than season forty one. But I agree. I, I'd say get rid of all the new twists and just let the game be the game. Are they still uh, everyone uh, having the need to remind us that they're fans of Survivor every time they speak? Because when I started watching the the, I think it's the, the one before this one with the the black guy that had like the, the short dreads and he was skinny and he was like, oh my god, this is the best opportunity of my life. I'm a huge oh, fan JD. of the show. And yeah, that was the, the previous one, right? Yeah. When I was watching that, I feel like every time someone would speak, they would have to say how much they love the show and we're such big fans of the show. And it was like, all right, we fucking get it. After episode two, it's just like, we understand that you're a fan. Well, does that still happen? Yeah, of course it does. Uh, they went in the exact <laughs> opposite direction uh, of what they used to do. Cause I remember around survivor Palau, there was, so what happened was in the very early season, survivor Vanuatu, the older fat people voted out all the good looking young people first. And it was not good for ratings or something. And the producers freaked out. And were like, fuck, <laughs> We have a cast full of fat older people ready to go for this next <laughs> season. Let's dump all of them and put out a casting call and get some models and actors in there. And so um, it was a cast of like very pretty young people who knew nothing about the show. And that season was very popular, not because of that, but it just so happened. And they were like, all right, well, this is good. Let's go in that direction. And so like the next five or six seasons were nothing but people who weren't fans of the show. And it was like this online resentment on the message boards and, and I think Facebook at the time where it was like, oh, these people don't even really know the show. These are stupid players. Um, you, maybe. I don't know. I can't, I can't pallet these super fans anymore. I'm sick of yeah. them. Everybody's, um, you know, they, they peaked with Cochran, who's just like the embodiment. He was a very Woody Allen kind of guy. Um, and he won the show. Um, and everybody is like that. Everybody wants to be that when they're cast and a fan of Survivor. And I just want them to cast like people who have never once heard of the show before at all. That would it's be because refreshing. They, like they, the, what's the host's name who looks uh, like a uh, Mark un, Cuban. Who looks like an unwrapped <laughs> mummy now. Horrendous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, he, uh, Jeff, 
Yes, Jeff would explain something, and then we would cut to the you know the interview of someone, and then they would explain it again, but more excited. And it's just like, what, what's the fucking point of that? We under we just heard the explanation, but then you yeah, have like you got to keep that... in mind any show on CBS is mostly watched by like sixty year old women, right. so they. They they have to pound you over the head with information over and over again because they think that we're very stupid. And to be fair, most of us right. are. <laughs> they they literally said so. Uh, I mentioned this on on your show when I did Is Aquino a while back. I was um, a finalist for two of those seasons for South Pacific and uh, One World. And I remember one of the casting one of the high up casting guys said to me, "Listen, if you get on the show." You know, uh, when it's airing, you don't tweet, you don't do Facebook, you don't do any of that because our audience is very stupid. This audience <laughs> is very stupid and they think you're out there when you're on the TV show. Oh you can't God. break that illusion. Oh, my God. They literally said well, our audience is very stupid. So, I guess they changed their policy because now it's like they're having competitions every you know Wednesday night to see which of the contestants can grow the most on Twitter. Yeah, while the episode is airing. So yeah, they realize it's just going to help them in the end if there's any. Yeah, sort of like why would you not want people posting about your shit on social media? So stupid. Because you know it's a live feed. The TV is just a live feed. Yeah. It's not an edited show. It's happening no. for real. All right. Well, uh, Lorez, anyway. Lorez, yeah. you. I mean, you're a you're a fan of Big Brother. Yes. Right. Uh, did you keep up with Big Brother Canada 10? Do you know anything about it? No, I, I, I tend not to watch the, the foreign seasons of Big Brother because, you know, I can't even be bothered to watch American Big Brother these days. I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah. I give it a shot and I get exhausted and it's just like the same editing style and type of people with American Big Brother. I haven't seen Canada since, um, maybe season three. I, that was the last one I watched, um, not casually. When I, when I was watching, like, for real, every single episode. And I was so bummed out that Godfrey got burned in the final two of that season that I took a break from it. But I've heard people say that uh, this season was really good and that the winner was was very deserving oh. or a very strategic. Let me, let me tell you, the highest recommendation I can give for this season is that it's correct in being called Big Brother 10. Like, this is Canada's version of Big Brother 10, and they... They get their own Dan Giesling, and he is that good. And I'm I'm very serious about that. As a diehard Dan fan, I think Canada has their own Dan now, for real. The miracles he pulls off, it's shocking. Not since Big Brother 14 have I been so glued to the screen. Which, uh, I don't, do you ever revisit seasons? I revisited yeah. 14, and that is just still great. Yeah. Um, you know. I rewatch the good ones all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was, uh, going through a lot of the earlier seasons and that one still holds up. I wish Ian wasn't such a dud on all stars. All -Stars. It, makes, it bums yeah. me out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I might go back and check out just cause I need something to watch and I kind of miss old school, big brother. Uh, what it's become now is just, I, I can't even, I can't, I can't, I can't fathom a second of it. Even the celebrity well, edition I, on this go around was yeah. rough. Oh, yeah. Celebrity 3 was bad, but I think Canada might have fixed the Big Brother formula by making it so in the veto competition, the HOH cannot compete. Mm. So just by removing that, now the nominees are winning a lot more often, which is making the weeks a lot more exciting. And Canada season 10, I mean, it's one of the best Big Brother seasons ever. 
and I, I'm dead serious. You have to watch it. It's so good. I'll, I'll have to check it out. I know they added some of the seasons to Paramount Plus. Um, are you a fan of? Uh, well, a lot of people say this is the best Big Brother season of all. Is uh, Big Brother Africa season two? I know nothing about that. Oh well, let me tell you something about that. Hans, I think I might have told you about this Big Brother Africa season two. I think it was, what, 2006 <laughs> or 2007. Um, so on Big Brother Africa season two, what they would do is they would throw a bunch of Africans in a Big Brother house from a bunch of different <laughs> African countries, of course. And there was a party one night. And uh, this guy picked up a girl and she fell asleep and then he fingered her. And this caused an out, you know, real big outrage. People weren't happy. With this. They said, this is a rape. This is a straight, there's video of this rape, but it's Africa, yeah, you know? So they were I like, think, ah, what are you going to do? I um, think I found the, the cast for Big Brother Africa. Is it this? <laughs> <laughs> is that Jeff Probst as the host? Yeah. <laughs> God damn, Hans. That Sorry. was, that's better than anything I'm going to say now. Jesus. <laughs> um, so anyway, this guy fingered a completely passed out woman. And they said, we're not removing him from the house. It was just a romantic thing. It was just, look, they like each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, that's bad. Cut to finale night. Who's the final two? The rapist and the rape victim. Who did Africa vote for to win? <laughs> well, I'll let you figure that out. But so if they were in the final two together, it sounds like they're at least in an alliance, right? I mean... Well, the way that really a lot of these consenting here, a lot, the way a lot of these foreign big brothers work is, um, you know, they do like some variation of HOH where they do nominations. And then on finale night, uh, because they let the public vote like Big Brother one style, and Big Brother UK style, they'll have a finale night of about four or five people. So whoever's left and then the vote will break down um, based on that. So whoever gets the most votes uh, on finale night is the winner. And it just so happened. These two were the finalists. So I don't think there was any alliance. I think it was wow. just, it was Africa. It, Africa spoke. That's that's what happened. So that's a Kino season. You should do that for Is It Kino? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's giving me some Jackson, Mickey, and Holly vibes a little bit. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I think I can get into that. Boy, howdy. Well, all right. I think that's a good note to, to end this episode on. Um Big Brother, I can't wait for it to come back. Maybe they'll get it right this time. We'll see. No, no. I until they get rid of Julie, I think Big Brother in the United States might be fucked. You think Julie's the the main source of conflict yeah. there? Yeah, and ever since her husband was outed as like that big rapist and she quit all her other jobs other than Big Brother, it seems like now she's she's dedicated her life to two things, uh ruining Big Brother and the Bible. And oh, yeah. uh, she's combining them. And like now the show is always like preaching about it's, it's just disgusting. She needs to leave. Uh, so Hans, she likes to end every episode with her own little saying she came up with uh, before. The, well, like Jerry like, Springer? Like, yeah, kind of. But like quicker than that, like she'll look into the camera and just be like, be kind in your heart. Ew. And that'll be the end of the episode. Oh. But it'll be something different each time. Like maybe it's cool to be nice. It's funny because she seems to be the only person that I know that got surgery on her face to look more Chinese. She, <laughs> she, she, I just searched for Julie Chen 2022 uh, and uh, yeah, she looks a lot more Chinese than ha I remember. 
Mupke, have you seen what she looked like back in 2000? Yeah, and there's also, they did a, on, on the talk or whatever show she was on, they did a makeup side-by-side, -side, like makeup face and no makeup. Yeah. And look that up. Like, if you see Julie Chen with no makeup, it is shocking. Let's take a look, Haas. Come on. Let's see this. Uh, you know, she's, well, her husband got taken off of um, his position at CBS. He was the president of CBS. Because what was, oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa. That is a straight up uh, Asian woman. That is just regular Asian, not famous Asian. Hey. That's. I, I thought everything, everywhere, all at once was a great film. And, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hans, hold on, hold on. Scroll up real quick. You're going to see a 1999 or so version of Julie Chen right next to this right here. No, no, no. Yeah. This one up. One? Yeah. That's what she used to look like before her face got sculpted down to what it is currently. What the um, fuck? I guess if you're Les Moonves and you have, like, yellow fever and you can afford any surgery, just, like, <laughs> turn your wife into some sort of Barbie doll and, you know, trick her out. She's a home wrecker, too. She was one of these girls that he slept with uh, who was on the payroll at the time, and he dumped his wife because he took an, a, a special liking to her, I guess. So that's uh, that's Julie Chen. Yeah. Nobody on this show is getting cast on Big Brother anytime soon. <laughs> I did apply one time, and when they did not accept me, I uh, made my Jackson Mickey video and called Julie out for supporting a rapist. So I think I might have burned <laughs> that bridge. Well, uh, you know, I don't think anything is of you know being lost there. It doesn't really. I, I think it's more likely all these shows are going to go direct to Paramount Plus real soon. And um, they don't really seem to be interested in doing anything creative with the formula to their shows. That goes for Survivor as well. I think they're just going to try and commodify it even more, which is why they dropped the, the subtitles, which I thought was going to be a good idea at first, but it's just going to turn all these shows uh, a little bit more disposable, I think. Is there, is there any interesting reality shows out right now? On Netflix, there's a show called Old Enough, about these two-year-old Japanese children who go buy groceries alone without oh. their parents. Uh, I would recommend that show. It's pretty good. Uh, otherwise, nothing's really piquing my interest lately. That's what they should have called that Dora the Explorer movie. It's old old enough. enough. I don't think she was old enough when they filmed that one. Oh. <laughs> Might not have been. Uh, yeah, that seems to be taking the uh, the world by storm. Uh, that's a lot of like Japanese and Korean shows. It's just like, Let's let's have people do things, and we'll come up with a funny spin on it. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I think that's the end of the episode. There, we just, I'm gonna I might have to segment this into two and just like give out the reality TV portion as its own thing. We'll see. We'll find out. All right, Monkey Jones, thank you so much for for joining us tonight uh, for movies. And uh, Hans, your H word name on Twitter. Real, I mean, I would say plug your Twitter. You're you're way bigger than anything we're doing here so you probably don't need to but you're welcome to if you'd like oh the Simeon jimmy twitter i mean all i post is uh the gnome from gnomeo and juliet saying thank gnome it's friday <laughs> so unless you want to see that every friday you don't need to follow me you know what i've taken note of you posting that a lot i was like didn't he post that i thought he posted that <laughs> why is this yeah. in my feed again is he just retweeting <laughs> this over and over i don't know but um I've 
I literally scheduled it out for the next 80 years <laughs> on Twitter. For the next 80 years, every Friday, it's going to post that. Ah, yeah, there all right. Giving, giving the audience a taste of it so they know what they're in for. 198 likes, 23 retweets, 17 replies. People love it. People love it. Yeah, it's a big uh, hit. It's a winner. All right, that has been Movies for this episode. Thank you for listening.